Welcome to our Unveiled podcast. My name is Susie and I'm the host of this show. We are an extension of the Women's Life Ministry at Harvest Bible Church in Windsor, Ontario. And our goal is to help women live, truly live throughout this difficult time season in our lives, but also beyond. Being fully alive, regardless of our circumstances, can only happen through Jesus. And so we are all about giving God glory and loving on the women that are listening and equipping them to live for his glory. And so on this podcast, we're going to talk about everyday events that women experience and everything we discuss will be through the lens of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, I've invited Sarah Shuttleworth to join me. She is a personal trainer and has recently started her own online fitness ministry. Sarah, can you tell us a bit about it? your mission and purpose in starting this new ministry? Yeah, I would love to. Um, Well, I've worked in the fitness industry for about four years now as a personal trainer and a group fitness instructor. And in my job, I've been convicted pretty well daily by the me-focused messaging and self-worship motivational tactics that are really everywhere in this industry And I noticed that many Christian women were either veiled to the secular lies that were being fed to them at the gym, especially young women, or they disregarded exercise altogether because of its bad rep for being, you know, vain and Mm self-serving. And the topic of how to make exercise holy isn't really discussed all that much. And so my ministry really started with me trying to find answers for myself. I was seeking Mm. these answers. I wanted to know, you know, how to make my job glorify God and how to do my job without glorifying myself. Mm. I wanted to know how to exercise without it becoming self-worship. I wanted to know, you know, what the Bible said about our bodies, about exercise, and about how and why we should really care about our health. And as I started to dig deeper into God's Word, I came to learn that the Bible actually says a lot about these topics. Hmm. And so God, you know, convicted my heart and continued to convict in my convict my heart and he provided me with extra time to begin this ministry. And it's called Whatever You Do Workouts and its name of course stems from 1 Corinthians 1031. Hmm. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. And Whatever You Do Workouts, it's a free online group fitness platform on Facebook and on YouTube for women who are seeking to be active and care for their health, but for God's glory and not our own, to make ourselves, you know, fit, to care for our health, to make ourselves fit in body, but also in mind and in heart so that we can be ready to be used for God's mission on earth. It's really just what our mission statement says in a nutshell. But the platform is really dedicated to to sharing the biblical truths about why we should exercise, how we should exercise as Christians, while also providing a Christ-centered option to be active right at home. I love that. And like you said, there is so little information on that. It's mm-hmm. it's a hard balance to find between being fit, being active, but not becoming Mm self-focused. So I am so thankful that you've put so much thought and time into this Mm -hmm. and that you're actually now ministering to other women in your home 
uh, exercising, but also speaking truth into their lives. And this all fits so beautifully with today's podcast, which is to help each of us to learn how to manage stress before it becomes chronic. So this might seem like a leap of, of, of uh, conversation here, but it really does fit in well because we want to learn how to manage our stress. And I know a little bit about exercise and how that helps, um, especially if there's chronic stress in our lives. And I'm going to give you a chance to talk about that a little bit more in a, in a little while. But we want to talk about it because I really do believe women can overcome stress and especially even chronic stress. The longer we've had it or struggled with it, the longer it might take to break this habit and form a new one. But in Christ, there is absolutely the hope and the promise that we can be freed from this because that is not what God desires for us. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about what is chronic stress. And I could certainly put it into my own words, but because there's a lot of medical talk about chronic stress as well, I want to be accurate to that. Uh, and so in a few moments, I'm going to actually read uh, a portion that I received or retrieved from the Mayo Clinic website. But uh, first of all, before we get into that, let's just all admit that we have felt stress or an anxiety to some extent. It is actually a normal and a God-given response to threat. And so it helps us to flee from danger. If there's actually something going on, it helps us to remove ourselves from that dangerous um, situation. And so it's a protective mechanism that God has given to us. And so not all stress or fear is actually wrong. It's a gift. But what happens when we feel this all the time and it rarely ever goes away? That's when it becomes a problem. And not only does it affect us physically because it can cause us to gain weight, it can give us trouble sleeping or even concentrating. It can give us an increase or uh, risk of heart disease and digestive problems and very often becomes an anxiety issue. So it's not just a stress issue, it becomes an anxiety issue. And so chronic stress uh, affects us physically, but even more seriously, it will affect us spiritually. And that in itself should motivate us to face the facts and to be willing to deal with the root cause of where all our stress and anxiety is coming from. And so let's just describe it. So like I said, from the Mayo Clinic website, this is what I got. It's a little bit lengthy, but just listen and try to get an understanding uh, of chronic stress. This is what it says. Your body is hardwired to react in stress in ways meant to protect you against threats from predators and other aggressors. So here we go. That's a gift from God. Uh, continuing, continuing, it says, On the contrary, you undoubtedly face multiple de demands each day, such as taking on a huge workload, paying the bills, and taking care of your family. Your body treats these so-called minor hassles as threats. As a result, you may feel as if you're constantly under attack, but you can fight back. You don't have to let stress control your life. When you encounter a perceived threat, such as a large dog barking at you during your morning walk, your hypothalamus, a tiny region at your brain's base, sets off an alarm system in your body. Through a combination of nerve and hormonal signals, this system prompts your adrenal glands located atop your kidneys to release a surge of hormones, including adrenaline and cortisol. Adrenaline increases your heart rate, elevates your blood pressure, and boosts energy supplies. Cortisol, the primary stress hormone, increases sugars in the bloodstream, enhances your brain's use of glucose, 
and increases the availability of substances that repair tissues. Cortisol also curbs functions that would be non-essential or detrimental in a fight or flight situation. It alters immune system responses and suppresses the digestive system, the reproductive system, and growth processes. This complex natural alarm system also communicates with the brain region that control mood, motivation, and fear. When the natural stress becomes, sorry, when the natural stress response goes wild, that's when the body's stress system is usually self-limiting. Limiting. Once a perceived threat has passed, hormone levels return to normal as adrenaline and cortisol levels drop. Your heart rate and blood pressure return to baseline levels and other systems resume their regular activities. But when stressors are always const- always present and you constantly feel under attack, that fight or flight reaction stays tuned on. The long-term activation of the stress response system and the overexposure to cortisol and other stress hormones that follow can disrupt almost all your body's processes. And some of those are some of the things that I already listed uh, just before I read this quote, some of the physical responses. And that's our problem. So that's the end of the quote. Uh, That's chronic stress. Um, when we have been given a blessed gift by God to be able to protect ourselves from danger, but we actually take it too far and just turn it on all the time. And so uh, what can we do about this? Is it even possible to turn that fight or flight uh, switch off once it's turned on and it goes crazy and it doesn't ever want to deactivate? Sarah, I know that you've struggled with stress and anxiety in the past. Mm -hmm. And so can you just tell us a little bit about that and how you overcame that? What has helped you, Sarah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I have. Um, I've struggled with anxiety for almost my entire life, really. And in particular, my anxiety manifested in social anxiety. Mm. And my greatest stressors, maybe, maybe you can, re- maybe other people can relate, were being in group settings. Uh, meeting new mm. people was a big stress. Praying with believers praising with Christians, Mm. face-to-face confrontation or conflict, and really anything else to do with social settings. I I felt great amounts of anxiety during this time. And each time I was placed in a situation where I could feel my anxiety and stress start to rise, the way that I dealt with these situations was to flee from it. So you talked about that fight or flight Mm. mode, and I chose the flight every single time. Because to be completely alone was the only way that I knew how to handle my anxiety. Mm. But it was temporary and it was always temporary and it always came back. So naturally, being alone all the time, this led to loneliness Mm. and it led to depression because eventually it it really came to a head Mm. when the first lockdown was was happening. So when the first mm-hmm. lockdown happened, I really realized that my depression, my loneliness, which stemmed from my anxiety and my stress, mm. was was really too much. And I remember just crying out to God in March of 2020 and begging him for this lonely feeling to go away, mm. asking God to to fix me so that I could have, you know, even just one friend. Mm. That's all I wanted. And to be honest, this was the beginning of me resting my anxieties at the foot of the cross. Mm. And that was the answer. I just didn't know it at the time. 
God taught me through this, the way of reducing my anxiety, the way I was doing it was to be alone. And that wasn't the solution at all. And in fact, Mm -hmm. it was doing more harm than good. And he showed me that the antidote to anxiety and stress was resting in him, trusting in him, Mm -hmm. and being in relation with his people. Because like you've said, anxiety and stress, they are natural. It's a gift. It's going to happen to us in small and big ways all the time. But it's also an open door for us to redirect and refocus mm-hmm. where our where our strength comes from, where our comfort comes from, which is Jesus Christ. Psalms 55:22 says this, "Cast your burdens on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved." And to cast, I was thinking about this a little bit, to cast means to throw at or throw away, essentially to relinquish ownership mm-hmm. of And I found that the best way to do this was to actually say it, to pray, to say it, that I was giving it up, Mm -hmm. to ask for help from the Lord. And when I started to pray over my anxiety, truly amazing things happened. And each time that I knew I was going to be in a situation where, you know, I would typically feel anxious or stress, I, I prayed that God would carry me through, that he would help me grow. And each time, little by little, my anxiety has started to reduce. <laughs> and being in God's word helped this even further because it put my anxiety mm. into perspective in relation to God's truth and to God's promises. Mm. And, you know, finally, because of the reduced anxiety, I started to develop friends and become involved Mm -hmm. in church. Mm -hmm. And then I came to know that being around God's people was an incredible blessing and an incredible encouragement and that it reduced my anxiety even further. And it wasn't a fear at all. Amazing. I love it. And, you know, from time to time, I still feel anxious. I still feel stressed, but it's, it's not for social situations. It's for, you know, a bill that needs to get paid. But my response now is to rest in God's truth for perspective, Mm. for comfort. And what I found helped me as well, in addition to, you know, the real truthful help is to exercise and exercise has has really helped me a lot Mm. to reduce the day-to-day stress. That's great to hear. And that's why you do what you do at home with your online Mm. uh, workout ministry. So thank you, Sarah, for sharing your amazing story of transformation. Mm. Your testimony really is powerful because it reminds all of us that the same God that freed you from your social anxiety can also free anyone who puts their trust in him. Yes. And this is where we see how we can reconcile resolute and rest when confronting stress and anxiety, because very clearly you were resting and trusting in the Lord. When you Mm -hmm. started recognizing the anxieties, you would cast your cares on him. You would pray, you would Mm -hmm. give it to him. You were also intentional about being in God's word, which shaped your mind. And then you you actually had to go out and make friends. They Mm -hmm. didn't just show up in your 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 house right true. so you had to be intentional so there's a part of us that has to rest but we also have to be active and we rest in him uh, because we know that peace comes through a relationship with Jesus we rest in him knowing that he is truth and uh, when anxiety leads us to the what ifs the uncertainties of life we intentionally redirect our thoughts 
to rest in his eternal truth. He is our source. He is our help. He doesn't leave us alone. But we can't just sit back and think that we're resting in him if we're not actually being proactive or intentional about making any changes to renew our minds in his truth or be intentional about living for his glory and living in obedience. And so we rest, but we also need to be resolute if we want to be victorious. And so in short, resolute means to be active and willing to make the necessary changes in our body, soul, and spirit And to be at rest means you are ultimately putting your faith and trust in the Lord. And as we do this, we will find peace for our souls. And so if we find ourselves in a state of of stress or anxiety, I think the first thing we should do is ask ourselves, is my stress or anxiety self-induced or is it beyond my control? Of course, there's some situations where maybe it's a little bit of both. So let's say there's a relational issue that is causing you stress. Maybe it's your fault. Maybe it's the other person. Maybe it's a little bit of both. Um, So in those kind of situations, you always want to ask yourself, okay, I, I can't control the other person, but what am I responsible for? Uh, but many times there's a lot of stressors that are essentially self-induced. And some of those would be habitually being too busy. And we can get very good at making excuses for why we're so busy. But if this is a habit, not just a, a temporary season, if it's a habit, there's probably something more driving our busyness. Maybe it's an inability to say no. Maybe it's a people-pleasing uh, habit, which is my next point. Being a people-pleaser, living for the approval of other people rather than God will ne- will always produce stress in our lives. Mm-hmm. It could even be poor physical care, which means we're eating too much junk food or just too much food in general, or we're just lazy, or maybe we're living in messy situations uh, and um, poor physical care will cause stress in our lives or it could be living with unconfessed sin. We can't expect peace from God if we are intentionally sinning and not confessing it. And in these types of situations, certainly there could be others, but if it's self-induced stress, we need to repent and then make the necessary changes, not um, um, necessary changes that We need to implement to remove these stressors, and then we need to be able to just rest and abide in Christ. Of course, there's also examples of stress that's beyond our control. Things like sickness or death, trauma, maybe a loss of a job. It could be self-induced if you've been a poor worker, but sometimes that's out of our control. Or even postpartum. And as moms, we know what that's all about with sleepless nights, maybe a colicky baby. Uh, Yeah, we can try and get as much help as possible from family members, but there's only so much we can do. And if we haven't been sleeping, there's a stress there. Or if we can't help our baby calm down and they're feeling colicky, of course, as concerned mothers, that's going to be stressful. And then, of course, we can't ignore the fact that the things going on currently in our world And the response that we've seen, uh, that is a stress. There's a background stress that each of us has. And it doesn't have to control us or overtake us. But certainly, I think we need to acknowledge there's a heaviness in each of our our worlds right now. And uh, that's where we need to learn to just live in light of what is true so that these stressors don't overtake us. And it starts by 
fixing our eyes on God. And that might seem like a short and simple answer. And yet I can speak personally, actually just this weekend, I was pretty upset about some circumstances that had happened to our family. And so Saturday night, I was pretty angry. And even moving into Sunday, I was happy to be at church. I was happy to be able to help in the parking lot. And it helped somewhat, but my heart wasn't quite where it needed to be. And of course, Sunday night, I uh, was uh, going to be teaching uh, a lesson to uh, some young adult women that are in a discipleship group. And I was going to be talking about the staircase of the heart. And I had to acknowledge to them, even before I started, that my heart wasn't where it needed to be. And I couldn't just fake it and pretend I had it all together. I, I had to be honest. But as I was teaching this, God also renewed my heart. And this is a resource that I've uh, been given from another biblical counselor. I now usually use it with most of the people that I counsel, usually right at the beginning, but sometimes a few sessions in, because it's such a great tool that is easy to use. So I'm just going to take a few moments to describe it. But uh, essentially, we go through life and we're going to be facing difficult situations, whether they're minor or major. Uh, there's things that happen in our everyday life that cause us to, to reconfirm the fact that we're going to keep our eyes on the Lord, or we have the opportunity to take our eyes off of God and onto ourselves. And uh, when we take our eyes off of God, we quickly descend down the staircase. It starts by unbelief. And that doesn't mean that you're not a Christian anymore if you've already started a relationship with the Lord. But as soon as you take your eyes off of God, you're essentially living in unbelief. You're no longer believing who he is and what he has promised and what he's done. And it's because we're prideful. We turn our eyes to ourself. And it's because we have certain lusts in our life. It doesn't mean sexual lust necessarily, but we have certain things that we want. And if we don't get it, then we turn uh, to all sorts of feelings. And often that those wants are rooted in fear. Because if we don't get what we want, there's something we fear losing. And that can turn our hearts towards anger because we don't have it. And of course, as soon as we're angry because we don't have something, we turn to self-pity because after all, we deserve what we want. We've, we've convinced ourselves that we actually are deserving. And if we don't deal with it, we're actually going to turn to despair. And we're going to begin feeling like we're never going to get what we want, that we will live in despair for the rest of our lives. And at this point, we're pretty, pretty low and we're at the bottom of the staircase and it can seem hopeless at that point. And sometimes people just are feeling comfortable living there. They, they feel like that's just who they are and they excuse their sickness or maybe a trauma in their life or some other reason and blame it on that and say that's why they are in despair. And even as Christians, we can get to the point where we feel like this is just the way life is and I'm just going to live at the bottom of the staircase because life has just handed me so many disappointments. But that's not what God has called us to. 
no matter what has happened. Certainly he hasn't called us to ignore our problems or just to shove them under the carpet and pretend they're not there. But we can't just keep blaming other people or other situations for the stress or the despair that we're feeling. And so we have to, no matter what, be willing to humble ourselves and recognize that we've sinned. The moment we take our eyes off God, no matter what excuse we might think we have, we need to repent and recognize that we've actually sinned against God the moment we started taking our eyes off of Him. And as we do that, we slowly begin moving up the staircase once again. And we're moving towards the fruit of the Spirit and abiding in Christ. But that doesn't happen automatically, right? We have to rest in the Lord, but we also have to be resolute. And so it starts by once again, putting our eyes on the Lord, on who he is. And uh, one of my favorite passages of scripture is Isaiah 6, verse 3, that reminds me once again of how great God is. It says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is is filled with his glory. And as I do that, I'm once again reminded that I'm actually very small in this world. And the problem that I thought was so stressful or so big that led me to despair, I'm reminded that it's it's really so small and compared to how awesome and glorious and holy my God is. And moving up the staircase, I remember what God has done for me, how he's given me the righteousness of Christ, even though I'm a sinner. He's promised me that he will be with me. And I I encourage you to check out Isaiah 41 verse 10, because it doesn't promise that God's going to remove our problems, but he promises that he is our God, that he will be with us and that he will uphold us with his righteous right hand. And then we have the resolve to live in obedience. God has commanded us not just to sit back and do nothing, but Matthew 22, 37 to 40 essentially tells us to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And when we have our eyes on him, we remember who he is, what he's done, what he's promised, and we obey what he's commanded. That's when we're back at the, at the top of the staircase where we once again live out the fruits of the Spirit. They're pouring from our lives as found in Galatians um, 5. And also we're able to abide with Him. We feel that connection with Jesus. We're walking with Him, feeling sustained and nourished by Him. And John 15, 4-5 tells us a lot about that. And uh, and so it's just a, a tool. And even if you don't memorize it fully, just kind of envisioning the slow descent down the staircase as you take your eyes off of the Lord and then remembering, oh, you know what? I just need to repent. I've taken my eyes off of God. And so you move up the staircase of faith once again, and uh, you are able to reach that, that point where the fruit of the Spirit is in your life, where you are abiding in Christ, even if there's things in your life that are beyond your control, that are causing a, a sense of sadness or stress you can deal with it because you know that you're not alone and Jesus is with you. And so that's just a small bit of information about what the Bible teaches us in regards to dealing with distress, dealing with our emotions, renewing our minds. Um, But we're holistic people. And as we've kind of talked about a little bit as well, stress does 
also affect us physically. And God has created us with a body, soul, and spirit. And therefore, when we're wrestling with stress, if we can treat it holistically, we can see quicker results or maybe bring us to a point where our minds are cleared up so that we can actually put the staircase of the heart into practice. And so that's where I wanted Sarah to come in and tell us a little bit about how exercise also helps us to manage stress. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The staircase of the heart, that is such a beautiful, beautiful tool. Wow. Um, but, but yeah, you know, as believers, we have such a benefit because, because exercise or movement of any kind, it's a gift from God that doesn't just benefit us physiologically and mentally, but also spiritually. So it can help us renew our mind, clarity of mind, so that we can come to the Word of God with these, with a clear mind and be able to renew our spirit at the same time. But essentially, the basics are that when we exercise, our body, you know, it releases neurotransmitter chemicals that are called endorphins. And a lot of people know what endorphins are, a feel-good chemical after we exercise. But endorphins, in its name, if you separate the name, first part of the name is endogenous. Endogenous means it is naturally produced within the body. Or in other words, God designed our bodies to produce this chemical which is so cool. Mm -hmm. I agree. It's amazing. (laughs) The second part of the word is morphine and morphine means an opiate pain reliever. So God designed us to have a natural pain relieving chemical in our bodies. And it's produced in response to stress or pain or anxiety. And these endorphins, they interact with receptors in your brain that reduce your perception of pain and they control your emotions and they even trigger a positive and energizing feeling in the body. So it's a beautiful, beautiful design. Mm -hmm. That's great. You know, there's, there's a number of things that can can really trigger the release of endorphins. And exercise is, of course, the best one, the most beneficial (laughs) one or one of them. But it's true that aerobic, uh, cardio exercise, strength training exercise, they've all been studied really in depth. And it's proven that, you know, if you exercise, you can find immediate release to stress and anxiety for hours. Um, And if you consistently exercise, this can drastically decrease how often you become stressed and anxious in the first place. So can I just add something to that? So that just, um, I'm thinking about after I had, I think it was after I had my third baby, uh, it was a crazy time in our life. I definitely had some postpartum. I was exhausted, very stressed. And it was right at the same time when we were planting our church. So Aaron Mm. was very busy with that. Mm -hmm. So it was a difficult time. I I definitely felt a lot of internal stress. That was also a time when I was going to the gym, probably my first gym membership, I think it was. And I didn't at that point need any self-motivation. I, or I didn't need any extra motivation. I had self-motivation to go to the gym and be consistent. I'd go three times a week. It was great, Mm -hmm. but it was amazing. When I walked out of that gym, I felt so energized. My stress was relieved and it helped me to continue on. It really did sustain me during Mm -hmm. that time where some things I couldn't control. And yet um, just being 
exercising, being committed to that really helped me to feel that release and help me to go home and be a mom again. Yeah. So yeah, it's absolutely true. I've personally experienced it in my life. So and yeah, and it's it's amazing because our bodies were designed this way mm-hmm. by God. And it's it is so true that, you know, if you if you exercise, you will feel an increase in your mood. It'll, yeah. You'll be your mood will be boosted. But the thing that we, you know, we're discussing today is that while this can help, it's it's also temporary in right. comparison to the ultimate stress reliever, which is Jesus Christ. But, you know, movement of any kind can be taken in a very joyful type of way. So when we exercise, we can increase our, our focus and our clarity of mind. We um, we, we get better sleep when mm-hmm. we exercise, and that generally lends to reduced stress because we're sleeping better. Mm-hmm. And we we have an easier time with day-to-day activities, mm-hmm. which generally makes them, you know, more joyful, more more enjoyable to Absolutely. do. Absolutely. <laughs> but but the, the truly beautiful thing about exercise is that if we come to it with God at the center, mm-hmm. it can really be a tool for us to grow spiritually. Mm-hmm. And this is where I started to form this ministry and really dig deep into God's word on how to do this because personal training, mm. exercise, this can be a very self-worship mm. yep. industry. And it is. And oftentimes it's why a lot of Christians, a lot of Christian women, we stray away from it mm-hmm. because it's it's seen in this light. But knowing that God designed our bodies with these intricacies to have this internal mood boosting chemical mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that we can harness with movement. You know, it it's amazing. And exercise, it really is an opportunity for worship. Absolutely. We can, you know, we can marvel at God's design. We can thank him for the limbs that we have, the lungs that keep us breathing, our, our beating heart. And and really when we exercise, when we're ready when we're exercising and, and, you know, we worship the Lord, we draw the attention away from ourselves mm-hmm. and we reposition our focus on our creator, mm. which as a result creates peace and rest in our soul. And I think it's just a beautiful thing. And exercise, it's also a wonderful way to steward our bodies. Absolutely. By maintaining, you know, our and improving our health with stronger lungs and muscles, we can really, in a, in a very practical sense, we can be more ready to be used for God's mission on earth. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe that might mean helping a friend with renovations and using this time as an opportunity to share the gospel or or helping a neighbor watch their child and you have to run around with them and pick them up and drop them and put them on the ground and all these things that take a healthy body. All of these things can be done with greater ease and less stress and added exercise can be used for God's mission in this way. And and I think lastly, what I would say is that with reduced stress and anxiety and a greater clarity of mind and a peaceful soul oriented towards worshiping our creator, exercise, it actually helps us come to God's word with more Mm. intentional and focused study because of all of the benefits that we're reaping from it. Mm -hmm. And really, after all, you know, as we've just discussed, God's word is the ultimate solution for our anxieties. So it brings us right back there. Awesome. I love that. Thanks so much for just really giving us a God-centered 
focus when it comes to health and exercise, mm. because it is, it's hard to find that balance or that perspective in our society is very, very rare. Mm. Uh, at, at our church, we're actually kind of privileged because we have you, but we mm-hmm. also have Lily who leads Faith Fit. Yes. She kind of has the same perspective. And so we do have uh, women in our church that are definitely intentional about making that happen and mm-hmm. still providing an opportunity for Christian women to exercise without making a making it a me-centered ministry Mm -hmm. or um, initiative, right? And so, as we've already said, as Christians, we do believe that exercise is a healthy way to steward our bodies. And because of that, it does help us to manage things like internal stress. And especially when we're not just getting our physical outlet, but as we're doing our physical activities, we're also focused on the Lord, renewing our mind in Him and very intentional about keeping our eyes on him, even during exercise and Mm -hmm. worshiping him during exercise. How awesome is that? Exercise is a gift that God has given us and he's beautifully designed our bodies to be able to use that as a way to manage stress. But as you've already testified, exercise alone can't Mm -hmm. fix the soul. It can help relieve anxiety and certainly God's given beautiful um, opportunities for our body to do that. So intricate that I can't even fully understand it, even after we've discussed it, but it's, it's pretty amazing what God has done, but we can't fix our soul with exercise alone. And we see that out in society, don't we? When it's so so me centered, people are, are are going for more and more and more fitness Mm -hmm. and they never actually fix themselves because they're broken. And we can only be unbroken by having a relationship with Jesus and this starts when we recognize that we are sinners. We um, need to repent of our, our sins and put our faith in Jesus Christ. He is a, uh, He alone is our hope for forgiveness. And when we do this, God redeems us and He helps us, makes us new creations. Our relationship with Him that was once damaged and broken is now restored. And then He begins transforming us. He becomes our peace. As it says in Romans 5, 1, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This peace belongs to us. It's part of who we are. He is a source of everlasting peace. And as we renew our hearts in him, by keeping our eyes on him, by abiding in him, by worshiping him, we feel that peace. It's it's not just a concrete thing that we're thinking about or believing we can have. We actually feel it. Mm -hmm. And so if any of our listeners are struggling, I just encourage you to talk through some of your stressors and your anxieties with a trusted spiritual mentor. If you're interested in uh, having a copy of that Staircase of the Heart, I'd love to pass that on to you. Like I said, it's not my original resource, but I think it's excellent. I got it from another biblical counselor. But don't feel like you have to do this alone. It's it's hard. And um, we need to reach out to our spiritual community for that spiritual strength that we we need. Uh, so from here, I just do want to give a little disclaimer. If you're currently seeing a medical professional, please talk to your doctor before you make any changes. Each individual has physical needs, and we're not here to personally diagnose anyone, but simply to offer biblical counsel and wisdom on reconciling resolute and rest in chronic stress. And we believe that the things that we've talked about can help 
you no matter what. But like we said, uh, if you're seeking a medical professional, please talk to them before you make any changes. And so to recap, I just want to say once again that resolute means to be active and willing to make necessary changes in your body, soul, and spirit. And to be at rest means you're ultimately putting your faith and trust in the Lord. And as you do, you will find peace for your soul. And so, Sarah, I just want to thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah. You've just really given us a really beautiful personal testimony, uh, which really just reminds all of us that we can be victorious. But you've also just given us some good information about how exercise actually does help us relieve some of that physical, the physical symptoms Mm -hmm. of stress, Mm -hmm. right? And so I hope all of our listeners will join us next week as we finish our series on reconciling resolute and rest, particularly as we focus on doing this during a crisis. 